Welcome to the sermon podcast from North Decatur United Methodist Church, where all are welcomed and included, connected with God and with one another, and sent out in service and invitation to the world. Each week we bring you the most recent sermon from me, Patrick Fallhaber, or from guest preachers. Thank you for listening and subscribing. So that's a weird passage of scripture, I'm not going to lie. Um, it starts out with Joseph saying he's going to die, and it ends with his bones ending up uh, in a coffin. It's a weird one. I'm not going to lie. I think we need to start with a quick overview of Joseph's story, and then we'll dive into why we ended up at bones and stuff. So Joseph's story begins with the love of his father and the disdain of his brothers. He is his father's favorite son. And his brothers sell him into slavery out of jealousy. The slave traders take him to Egypt and they sell him to a man named Potiphar. And after a series of events that we don't have time for, but you should definitely read on your own in Genesis 39 through 41, Joseph lands in the Pharaoh's good graces. And once he becomes second in command of the entire country, he saved all of Egypt from famine through organizing food storage efforts. And his brothers, also affected by the famine, come to Egypt so that they can purchase food. And long story short, he reveals himself to be the long-lost brother that they sold, and he forgives them for their actions against him. And then a lot, a lot, a lot of years go by, and he's super old. That brings us to where we are today. Joseph lives to the ripe old age of 110, and he's about to die. On his deathbed, he makes a promise to his family, and he tells them that God will come to them and will bring them up out of Egypt into the land that was promised to Abraham way, 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 way before Joseph ever comes on the scene. His final words are a strange request. He makes his family swear that when God does come to them and when God brings them up out of Egypt, that they take his bones with them. In my experience, this short passage is often skipped over, and I I I think that makes some sense, right? Joseph's narrative is pretty juicy, really. I encourage you to dig into it on your own. And the Exodus is a primary focal point for the Old Testament. So you have these tiny little verses, but I think they're more than just a narrative bridge between big story and big story. I think there's a big story here, too. Why does Joseph give instructions about his bones? What is up with the instructions about the bones? The very easy answer to this question is that Joseph wants to make sure he's buried where his family is. Um, If we fast forward to the end of Joshua, um, we find that the narrator says that the Israelites actually do carry Joseph's bones all the way from Egypt to the Promised Land, and they bury him in the same place that his great-grandparents, his grandfather, and his father are all buried. But that's a little too easy. I really think there's something deeper here. And the book of Hebrews, which is way in the New Testament, written way after this story would have happened, the author of the book of Hebrews considers characters of faith throughout Israel's history. And he mentions Joseph in chapter 11. He says, Joseph, who by faith at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave instructions about his bones. 
And so the author of Hebrews gives us a tiny bit more, like just a little, little bit more, and it's the by faith part. Joseph gives these instructions by faith. Faith in what? His statement about God bringing them up out of Egypt before he gives the instructions about the bones tells me that he has faith that God will keep God's promise that God made back to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob. God is going to keep God's promise. God will bring God's people home. This still doesn't quite give us an answer, though. It's not good enough for me. Why bring the bones? And I have an idea, but it requires a bit of imagination on our parts. And so I'm going to, I'm going to ask you, I'm going to, I'm, you got, y'all are going to keep doing stuff. You are not passive participants in this sermon. So what I would like for you all to do is, um, not yet, but you're going to close your eyes and I want you to wonder with me. I want you to imagine with me. Get some mind pictures going. Um, and we need one detail in order for that to happen. We need to remember that Joseph's body is embalmed and put into a coffin in Egypt. That has to be the starting point for our wondering. So, if you could close your eyes, unless you're wrangling kids in the back, in which case, God bless you, you keep doing what you're doing. I wonder if Joseph's enslaved descendants returned to his entombed body to recall his words, to be reminded of his promise that God would bring them home, away from oppression. I wonder if any Israelites looked to the coffin carried with them out of Egypt as they faced the Red Sea on one side and the Egyptian army on the other. Question would actually save them, like Joseph said. I wonder if an Israelite ever glanced at the coffin while munching on manna in the wilderness, dreaming of Joseph's fulfilled prediction. I wonder if any of Joseph's descendants looked to his coffin when standing before the walls of Jericho, struggling to imagine how Joseph's words could come true, how God could possibly overcome a barrier so tall and so imposing. I wonder if any Israelites wept as they looked upon the coffin being placed in the tomb of Joseph's ancestors, finally returned to the promised land, finally home. I wonder if Joseph says to bring the bones so that they can be a physical sign of promise, memorializing God's faithfulness. You may open your eyes. Thank you for wondering with me. Bones are typically a symbol of death, failure, loss. You didn't win the fight if you ended up dead. But to, I mean, it's just true. I see you, Ashley. It's true. But in this story, they come to represent hope, the hope of God's faithful future. In carrying his bones, Joseph's descendants are reminded of God's faithfulness. And also in carrying his bones, Joseph's descendants live out the blessing that's proclaimed over them. When Joseph says, God will come to you, as they carry his bones back to the promised land, they are the fulfillment of that prediction, empowered by God on their journey. One might even say, led on their journey by God, that his descendants are the answer to Joseph's prayer. And so, 
would I put it? What are our bones? This is my coffin. I'm mean, not mine. I won't fit in there, but it's our coffin for today. What are our bones? What do we look to to be reminded of God's faithfulness when there's a Red Sea on our right and an army on our left? Like Joseph, maybe we can look to things that sometimes seem dead. And yet, there is hope. I think about our fight for racial justice. I think about the black and brown lives that have been taken entirely too soon. I think about the number of uh, laws and bills against LGBTQ people in this country. And I think about the way that the church has been complicit in the mistreatment of my people. I think about how our planet is literally burning, like actually on fire all over the place. I think about how so many of our neighbors experiencing homelessness are so quickly, so often overlooked. And I even think about the people for whom systemic issues can't even be a thought in their mind because they are struggling under the financial and social weight of those very injustices. Some people just have to put food on the table. As a congregation, we have tackled these issues in various ways. We've done so intentionally and we've done so prayerfully. Our God-led works of healing in the world are the answers to the prayers of the people who came before us. And that's a really big thing, and it might not seem immediately connected to what I just said. So I'm going to repeat it a lot. You're going to hear that phrase a lot. When we live out Christ's dynamic healing in love today, we are the answers to the prayers of those who came before us, who dreamed of a more just world, who prayed that the people of God would continue to love God with everything that they have and their neighbors as themselves. As we pack food boxes, as we donate blood, as we update our building to be more ecologically sustainable, as we protest unjust laws, as we share meals, as we listen to those who mourn and comfort them, as we welcome all of our neighbors as we tend to our own internal healing through the spirit and community and yeah as we run lemonade stands we empowered by god's grace are the answers to the prayers of the people who came long before us who dreamed of god's just kingdom coming to fruition the kingdom that jesus spoke about at times our efforts do seem really futile and sometimes we question, are we actually making a difference? More anti-queer laws come out all the time. The government doesn't seem to care that the planet is burning. There are still more and more homeless neighbors, and we don't always know what to do with them. What do we do when there's a Red Sea on one side and an army on the other, when we stand before the wall of Jericho? I suggest, and I think Joseph suggests, 
we prayerfully carry these struggles for justice, the things that seem dead at times. We carry them with us as we travel, as we look toward the Red Sea, as we see the wall of Jericho so tall and so scary. Where some might see death, we see hope. We carry these struggles as God comes to us and leads us into living for God's righteous kingdom as God did for the people who came before us. We remember them as we pray today, strengthening our faith for the journey, that it may be said of us by faith, they carried the bones with them as they went, faithfully going where God called them to go. We pray that God would lead us that we would have wisdom to have hard conversations, just as God did for those before us. We pray that God would give us the courage to face uncomfortable and insurmountable circumstances. We carry these bones that seem hopelessly dead sometimes, trusting that God will answer our prayers too just as God answered the prayers of those who came before us. God will come to us. God will show us the way home. God is already doing it. We are the living, breathing evidence that the prayers of those who came before are answered. And we pray, carrying these struggles with us, believing wholeheartedly God is leading us in them, that our prayers, whether through our own action or through those who come after us, so that these prayers can be answered too. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to this week's sermon from North Decatur United Methodist Church. If you like this podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes. And if you want to learn more about our church, you can visit us at ndumc.org. Oh
Somebody's praying. I 